And again, you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover Open Book. to cover the cover open book i am javelin richards i'll be sitting in for nina today raising money for kpfa uh, and so today you have an opportunity i know it's gorgeous outside and many of you are out there enjoying the weather but the good news is because of our technology today you have an opportunity to call in and pitch and help us raise money for the radio station programming that makes your life wonderful more informed and so today what we're bringing you from cover to cover open book is the new novel from Isabel Allende uh, the novel is called Ripper and so we're going to do this in two parts I want you to get ready to call in for you, those of you who love her writing who, who are, love writing period but love the work that she's been doing in the world the number that you're going to call is 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. And then also you can go online at www.kpfa.org. So again, we're raising money for KPFA for programming here, community radio that you support, that you support. You make it happen for us so that we can go out in the world and find out news and happenings and art that you wouldn't get in mainstream America. Because you have asked for that in your lives. So today we're giving away for you Isabel Aliande. She has her book. And the book is, um, the, there's a DVD for $100. There's a CD that's for $75. And if you get the book, it's $140. This is her new book, Ripper. And this one here, she's actually doing a mystery. So let's take a listen to an excerpt of her new work. You're listening to Isabella Alande. This is her new book, which you're, we're giving to you today. The book itself for $140, CD for $75, and DVD for 100 So let's take a listen. I have to stand on a platform here. I need a, um, a stool away from literary height stature. Well, thank you for showing up today. I know the parking was awful. Uh, I'm going to talk about my new novel, Ripper, which is a sort of thriller. Well, let's say it's a, it's a mystery or a noir novel. And let me tell you how I, I decided to write this. I had been saying forever that I would never write a thriller. But I have been sleeping with a mystery writer for many years. And um, and the only thing we talk at home is murder. <laughs> so somehow, it, it, by osmosis, it sort of penetrated me. And I have realized that almost everybody wants to kill somebody. 
at least once in their lifetime. I want to kill Willie many times a day sometimes. So I had a lot of fun exploring this in writing so I didn't have to do it personally. I read, of course, mysteries that I had been talking about mysteries with, with Willie and see how he does it. But I didn't feel very, um, that I didn't feel that I knew about it, about the genre. So I attended a mystery writers conference at Book Passage in Corte Madera. And, uh, it was lovely. One, they have this conference once a year. I had never been there before because I was not particularly interested. I wasn't planning to do anything like that. But this time I went as a student. And I was there with other students, most of them women, and middle-aged women, nice, wonderful people, who only talk about ways of killing people and not being caught. That's all they can talk about. And there is a faculty of, of um, forensic doctors, detectives, policemen, people who really know, know and, and they can ask all kinds of questions. And the questions they ask in the, class, in the classes gave me ideas for my murders. Because I don't, if I think of killing somebody, I would just shoot them. I wouldn't think of something very sophisticated. But these students would ask questions like this. If I inject a blood thinner on my, in my victim and I stab her 13 times and I hang her upside down in the shower, would the blood congeal on the bathtub? <laughs> I would never come up with that. So I, I just stole ideas from the students and uh, between that and a little more research that I did, I was able to write the book. And I got help also from a wonderful person that works in my foundation called Sarah Kessler. She, uh, she's a wonderful investigator, researcher. I would say, Sarah, I have this person that I've kidnapped and I need to hide that person in the Bay Area for let's say a week. Um, it has to be dark and gloomy. No one can find it, but it can't be too far away. The next day she comes back with a fortress that looks like a medieval castle in the middle of nowhere, 20 minutes away from this church. And I say, I need a soldier. Can you get me a Navy SEAL? Next day, we fly to Washington to interview a Navy SEAL, and I, we spend with him three days. And then I get my character for the book. So it was wonderful to find human models for the book. Um, what else can I tell you? You want me to read a little? Okay, I will read very briefly because what is interesting is usually the conversation, the questions that come, and the conversation with Alejandro. What are you doing, Alejandro? Texting? <laughs> no? I hope you're not texting while I speak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she is writing poetry, he says. <laughs> Okay, I, ah, the other thing is that the idea for, for the book is not mine. Uh, it was my agent. My agent lives in Barcelona. She's this very fat lady. And she's, she's just a wonderful, wonderful person who really created the boom of Latin American literature by publishing wonderful Latin American writers that didn't have much of an audience. And th these books were published in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in Spain and 
we receive them all over the world. Um, she's my agent, and when I announced in 2011 that I was planning to retire, she panicked. Apparently, I support the agency. <laughs> uh, so she, she said, no, you have to write a book with Willie. And my, my husband was going through a bad time, so we decided, oh, it's not a bad idea. Let's write a book together. But he writes in English. I write in Spanish. His attention span is 11 minutes, and I can write for 11 hours. So I realized that I was going to do all the work, and he was going to get half the credit. It was not very convenient. Also, we were fighting like dogs, because he says that I'm very, very bossy. And I think he's lazy, frankly. And I keep telling him I'm a much better writer than you are because I work, I research. Um, so I start on my books on January 8th, and by January 8th, 2012, I didn't have anything because we had been fighting with Willie, but we didn't have a plot. And so that day, I sat in front of my computer with the plan of writing a crime novel set in San Francisco in 2012. Why? because I didn't have to research much. San, I know San Francisco well, and it was the year 2012 when I was writing the book. So I didn't have to research the time either. It was perfect. And that's how the book happened. Okay, let, ah, when I came um, the first day, after 10 hours of work, Willie called me for, for dinner, and he came to have a glass of wine with him and dinner. And he said, how was your day? I said, wonderful. I just started by presenting North Beach, San Francisco, the atmosphere, you know. And he said, no, you need a murder, a corpse, in the first page. So I had to go back and write my first murder. I will read that one. They referred to the first murder as the case of the misplaced basketball bat, so as not to insult the victim by giving it a more explicit name. They were five teenagers and an elderly man who met up online to play a role-playing game called Ripper. On the morning of October 13, the fourth grade students of Golden Hill School raced into the gym to whistle blasts from their coach in the doorway. Normally, they would run two laps around the basketball court to warm up, but this morning they came to a shuddering halt, shocked by the grisly sight of a man sprawled across a vaulting horse, his pants pulled around his ankles, his buttocks bared, and the handle of a baseball bat inserted into his rectum. Actually, this is not Willie's idea. I came up with this. <laughs> Everybody thinks it's his idea. The stunned children stood motionless around the corpse until one nine-year-old boy bent down and ran his finger through the dark stain on the floor and realized that it was not chocolate but congealed blood. A second boy picked up a spent bullet cartridge and slipped it into his pocket, intending to swap it during recess for a porn magazine, while a girl filmed the scene in her cell phone. Just then, the coach bounded over to the group of students, whistle-trilling whistle with every breath, and seeing this strange spectacle, suffered a panic attack. The fourth graders raised the alarm, and other teachers quickly appeared and dragged the children and the hysterical coach from the gym.
The teachers removed the baseball bat, and as they laid the corpse on the floor, they noticed a bullet hole in the center of the victim's forehead. They covered the body with a pair of sweatpants, closed the door, and waited for the police, who arrived precisely 19 minutes later, by which time the crime scene had been so completely contaminated, it was impossible to tell what the hell had happened. So that's my first corpse. But I have like nine. Thank you. What a wonderful interview by Isabel Legande. You've been listening to, and, and that is her from her new book of uh, Ripper. That's the title of her book. And you can call and buy the book, or you can get the CD or the DVD. And it would be great if we could raise some money doing this uh, next 15 minutes uh, for KPFA listeners, particularly doing our cover-to-cover open book time. I would love to raise $500. That would be my personal goal. Uh, the number you would call is 510 510- Eight four eight five seven three two or one eight hundred four three nine five seven three two or of course www.kpf.org and again you can get the book her latest book Ripper which is a mystery um, and which is different for her and uh, the the book itself is $140 you can get the CD for $75 or you can get the DVD for $100 and this could be a gift for yourself if you are a, a lover of books but as you heard as she read an excerpt from her book uh, the the Slute is a teenager. And as we listen to the interview later on, well, actually in a few moments, you're going to actually hear how that came about for her. Many of us, when we talk about what took us into the literary world, what informed our life, we talk about the first book we read or how we were shaped ourselves and how we look at the world. And Isabella Aliande is an incredible writer with an incredible history. And for those of you who don't know her, uh, she is Peruvian, uh, Chilean, but she lived in Peru for a while and she worked as you heard in the interview with her husband on this latest novel. And I love the humor that she shared with that, the laughter around that and murder and the dark side of our personality. So again, the number that you call to raise funds, we need the phones to light up and that would be so wonderful. I know it's a great day you're out there, but that's why you have a cell phone and you just call in and pitch you. Uh, you can do a, a one-time um, Donation also, if you don't want to get the book, if the cost is a little bit high right now for you, then you can get a KPFA T-shirt for $60, and we always give you a bumper sticker for free. I love driving down the street, and I see KPFA.org. I feel so much safer in traffic. So you can also do that or any amount that you want to pitch. Again, the number is 510-848-5732 or 800-439-5732, and also online at www.org. KPFA.org. Again, the book, Isabel uh, Lunday's book is $140. The CD is 75 and the DVD is 100 So let's jump right in and you'll have an opportunity to hear questions that she'll be answering. So this should be fun. So again, while you're listening, pick up the phone and call 510-848-5732-1800-439-5732. We have some incredible volunteers and waiting for you to call. That's why they come in. They volunteer and they love saying hello to you. And we also want to thank, before we go away and listen to the interview, the people who donate food, which is incredibly important for our volunteers, High Wire Coffee Roasters, Tia Tulia, Be Healthy Honey, 
That's B E E. I love that play. Uh, and then Cabot Creamy Cooperative, and then Smoke Restaurant. Those are the folks who feed our volunteers who are waiting to answer the phone for you. So let's have them lift the phones, light it up, and let's try to raise some money during the next few moments. So here you go, listening to an interview with Isabel uh, Aledante of her new book, Ripper. We're going to engage in a bit of dialogue, a bit of questions and philosophy and inquiry. Philosophy? And no philosophy. And, and perhaps answers. This, this thing is not working. Can you hear me? Okay. <coughs> I have such bad luck with phallic microphones. <laughs> Never worked for me. And I have some questions here. And you're free to ask more questions as long as it's not about her horoscope sign. <laughs> You mentioned that you had contemplated writing the book with Willie, right? And if he wrote in English and you wrote in Spanish, then it would be bilingual, no? A bilingual book? Nobody would read it. Um, the idea was to write it in English, but I can't write in English. I can't write non-fiction in English, and I would have problems. But fiction happens here in the belly. I don't think I could do it in any other language. Spanish is the language of emotions, of cooking, of writing, of making love, I would feel ridiculous panting in Spanish. Or in English, I mean. Fortunately, Willie thinks that he speaks Spanish. Which is, that helps sometimes. And I know, to kind of riff off one of these questions here, uh, <coughs> has to do with bilingual. Uh, Education, I think. Let me see if I can find it. As a, as a Latina, how do you see bilingualism in uh, education in California as encouraging young Latino, Latina writers to find their voice? I, can, I think you can answer that better than I because you're a teacher. That's what you, you're a professor of writing. Latino and Latinas, aren't you? So, so let me ask you a, a philosophical question. So when you write, you never mix the languages? Yeah, I mix them in my head. And so I write with a, with a Google dictionary all the time and several dictionaries on the table. Because sometimes I remember the word in English and I don't remember it in Spanish and vice versa. Uh, when when, we, when I, Willie and I talk, in the same sentence we, we switch back and forth all the time. So I end up writing as he speaks. Therefore there's someone in Spain that takes away all the willyismos from my books because I, it's not real Spanish anymore. Um, I, I, I think that it's hard to publish. It's not as hard now, but when I came 25 years ago, it was almost impossible to publish a book in Spanish in the United States. Then um, they started to be published, and, and now my, this book, Ripper, El Juego de Ripper in Spanish um, was published simultaneously by HarperCollins in English and by Vintage in Spanish. So there is a market out there and there are readers in Spanish. And, and I think that has uh, grown tremendously in the past 20 years or so, right? Well, yeah. In, in, in my lifetime here, 26 years, I've seen the change and the, and the enormous influence that Latinos have in the whole of the society, but especially in California. You know, when... I used to feel foreign. Now I think that all the gringos are foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like to point out that California is part of Latin America. Huh? 
Therefore, each and every one of you is a Latin American. <laughs> and I was uh, very impressed by a lot of the details in Ripper. And uh, you mentioned a little bit. How, how much research goes into your novels? Because I think the audience, the readers don't realize that it, although you're writing fiction... Oh, but fiction, in order for fiction to be believable, you have to have the setting so realistic that people will have no doubt that what you have invented is also part of reality. I have written several historical novels. Sometimes it takes years to research a time and a place for a historical event that I want to write about. Uh, and, and the same for Ripper. I, I felt that... If the reader felt that they were in San Francisco, that the streets were the streets that they know, that the food is what they know, then whatever I, I invent as fiction, they will believe it too. And I thought the descriptions of like North Beach were very authentic and it really brought me into that uh, world of uh, North Beach. I had, I, I, just walking the streets and getting back in touch with all the things that we see every day and we don't even notice. When you research for a book, you notice every detail, the colors, the smells, the, the traffic, the people, the, the characters of the, of the, North Beach is full of characters, you know that. Every person has their own favorite coffee shop and they never, never would have a cup of coffee in any other place. It would be like a horrible betrayal. <laughs> And the other thing that was interesting for me is I've lived all these years in, this, in the Bay Area I, and I had never seen it from the water. And um, the captain of the ferry took me around the bay looking for the little uh, enclaves, the little places where people, for example, live and the police never gets there and they just grow marijuana. It's their, their own, their job. And they grow it in boats, in bathtubs, everywhere. And the, the coastal guard can't get there because the water is very shallow. So all that, I didn't, I didn't have any idea that that existed. So seeing all the, that from the water was like discovering a new country. And I noticed also that you had, as all writers, I think, when you're writing in a new genre, you want to read all the writers in that genre to kind of understand them. I didn't have time for that. Unfortunately, but now I'm beginning to read more and more. Um, at the time, I, re I read only a few. I had, of course, read when I was very young uh, Conan Doyle and Agatha Christie and the classics. But what the, the new uh, thrillers are very different from that. And I, so I read uh, the Stag Larson's books and Joe Nesbo and a few of those. But I thought I could write one of my books just what, what do I like to write about? People, characters, and their relationships. So this is just one more of my books with a few corpses here and there. Oh, only a few. Yeah. <laughs> so how does that idea form in your head initially? What is the first scene or character that comes into your mind when you're writing on January 8th? I, in this case... I didn't have anything on January 8th except the plan of writing a murder mystery. But I saw my granddaughter, Andrea, in the kitchen playing alone with a computer. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm, she was playing with cards and dice. And she said, no, I'm not alone. I'm playing a role-playing game online called Ripper. And she explained that the whole idea was that each player invents a character, creates a character 
that the character can be completely different from them. And each character has skills and limitations. And with those skills, they play a game, and the game is to hunt for Jack the Ripper in London in 1888. And I said, can, can we just use the same idea, but in San Francisco in 2012? I said, yeah, why not? So I played a couple of rounds with the, with the kids, and I, I got the idea from them. And that's how the first idea came, that my sleuth were going to be these kids playing online. First to hunt for Jack the Ripper. But as the murders start happening in San Francisco, they d decide to investigate those crimes. Also, the, the game master, Amanda, is the daughter of the chief of homicide. So she gets to know details that are not usually publicized. And, and I thought it was a bit of a risk to have the main character, the main sleuth in a way, a young teenage 16-year-old yeah, Amanda. Right? So I thought that was a bit of a risk on your part, no? Yeah, but who's checking? <laughs> <laughs> the, the traditionalist. <laughs> so you've been listening to an interview, and what a fantastic one with Isabel Allende. And I want to thank the caller who helped me out with that last uh, uh, name, Allende, and I hope that I got that right this time. Um, so now, what I found fascinating, as I said earlier, is that the one of the main characters who is solving this crime that's taking place right here in San Francisco is 16 years old. So for some of you who want to introduce some of your friends, family members who are younger, to introduce them to this book, to read it with them. To read the book with them, listen to the DVD, to include them in that journey since everyone loves technology and that's uh, sort of 16 to whatever particular uh, age that they go into to say how this informed this writer. The number to call, and we're trying to raise money, light up the lines. We have volunteers waiting on you to answer the phone, say hello to you, and take your pledge. You can put it on your uh, credit card, uh, your debit card, and make small payments. If you get the bigger packages, you can make a one-time offering of $60, $25, $10. We're open to that. You can get a free t uh, bumper sticker to put on the back of your car. The number to call, 510 Five seven three two, or one eight hundred four three nine five seven three two, and of course www.kpfa.org. And a part of supporting the uh, KPFA and what our intentions are have always been for decades here, and have spread far-reaching impact all over the world. Is a part of what it does is that you, we ask ourselves, so I want you to ask yourself as you pick up the phone and call in these last few moments, 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732 or www.kpfa.org. How many times have you been able to add to a conversation because you're a listener of KPFA? How many times have you been able to take care of your physical life, emotional life, spiritual life, your creative life because you've been informed by KPFA? How many times have you been able to pass that knowledge on to others because you have been a listener, that you've moved outside of mainstream information and gone into the belly of the culture that we live in and even further because of KPFA? And what has Cover to Cover Open Book did for your life? What have you been introduced to? So you can today, and again, it's sunny, wonderful outside. The phone lines are quiet and slow. We can raise some money in the last few moments of last few minutes. Uh, you can get Isabella Allende's book. 
That book is $140. You can also get the CD if you want for $75. Or you can get the DVD for $100. And we also are offering the book plus the CD for $200. Or the book plus the DVD for $225. Some of you may be new to her work. Uh, some of you may be familiar with her House of Spirits, which was one of her first novels. And her writing is magic and realism. And with the purpose of to, to, for myth to override time and place. Time and place. And so her writing and then to, to dive into mystery. So for those of you who love mystery, those of you who want to, I love the fact that she said that everyone thinks about murder and we know that to be true. So uh, call us. We do that in traffic. We want to kill somebody except if they got the KPFA sticker on the back and then we know we can maybe have a wonderful dialogue about things that you don't get in mainstream America. So give us a call in these last few minutes, 510-484-5732 or 1-800-439. 5732 or www.kpfa.org and most certainly our volunteers who come down doing the fun drives because they believe and they love to answer the phones. They love to talk to you. They love to take your pledge. They love to be able to support you and supporting the station and then our donors. Our donors who sign up to come and bring food to feed our volunteers, high wire coffee roasters, be healthy honey, Kabul creamery cooperative, smoke restaurants. So thank you. Please continue to call in even after this is cover to cover. Erica's been our engineer for today. I've been your host, Javelin Richards. Thank you for listening.